Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Remember, this show is PG-13, so you might hear a naughty word or two. Today, a USA Gymnastics doctor has been accused of sexual assault by two gymnasts. One is an Olympian. After we talk about that, we'll answer all your questions and feedback from our Rio episodes. This is episode 221 for September 14th, 2016, and welcome to the number one gymnastics podcast in the world. I'm Jessica, and I'm here with Uncle Tim from Uncle Tim Talks Men's Gym and Spencer from the Balance Beam Situation World Fame. So first things first, we are going to talk about this uh former USA Gymnastics doctor has been accused of sexual abuse. And I just want to give you guys a warning if you are commuting in the car listening to this with somebody that's under the age of 13. We are going to talk about the specific allegations in this case. So this may either be a good learning tool for children to understand what is acceptable and what's not acceptable behavior from a doctor, or you might want to screen this and decide if it's appropriate for them. And then, uh, so if you want to do that, then fast forward about five minutes. Um, okay. Uncle Tim, can you go over what has been alleged in these two cases? Yes. So first, we know that two gymnasts have come forward with complaints against Dr. Larry Nasser. One of the women um, was, well, is a 2000 Olympian, and she filed a civil suit in California, and she is named Jane Doe in the documents. Um, the other person is Rachel Den Hollander, um, and she has a, filed a complaint with the Michigan police. And we'll get to the differences between um, a complaint and a civil lawsuit and a criminal lawsuit later on. Um, according to the legal documents, Larry Nasser began to groom Jane Doe in 1994 by fondling her and groping her um, and giving Jane Doe the impression that inappropriate contact was part of medical care. Um, the documents state that Nasser would use his position as team physician to offer what he deemed necessary care and treatment for Jane Doe's hips um, and to treat her hips. He would introduce his bare hand into her vagina and anus in order to adjust the bones in her hips. He did this in her sleeping quarters as she lay on the edge of her bed alone and without any supervision or a chaperone. Also, according to the legal documents, uh, Larry did not wear gloves or use any form of lubricant, and they were done for his own sexual gratification. Um, as the Indie Star notes in its reporting on the subject, um, intravaginal adjustment is a medical practice. However, the scenario depicted in the legal documents does not match medical best practices. For instance, it should be done with gloves and lubricant. 
Beyond the intravaginal adjustment, the legal documents note that Larry Nasser would talk about sex with Jane Doe. He would tell her that other gymnasts would give, quote, blowjobs and described in detail the process of oral sex. The legal documents indicate that while much of this happened in the 1990s, Jane Doe is just coming to terms with what happened. And it was not until July of 2016 that she realized what happened. And so that's a small glimpse into the Jane Doe case. Um, Moving on to the second victim who has chosen to be identified by name, Um, Rachel Den Hollander had lower back pain as a 15-year-old club-level gymnast. Uh, She said Nasser gradually became more abusive over five treatments, massaging her genitals, penetrating her vagina and anus with his finger and thumb, and unhooking her bra and massaging her breasts. Unlike Jane Doe, Den Hollander's mother was present for these treatments, but according to Den Hollander, her her body was positioned in such a way that her mom could not see what was happening. Um, As many listeners know, Larry Nasser was the team doctor for USA Gymnastics from 1996 until September of 2015. Um, So USA Gymnastics released a statement today, Monday, September 12th, that says, quote, immediately after learning of athlete concerns about Dr. Nasser in the summer of 2015, Steve Penny, president and CEO of USA Gymnastics, notified law enforcement. We also relieved Dr. Nasser of his duties and he ceased to be affiliated with USA Gymnastics. USA Gymnastics has full has cooperated fully with the law enforcement agency since we first notified them of the matter, including at their request, refraining from making further statements or taking any action that might interfere with the agency's investigation. We are grateful to the athletes for coming forward to share their concerns when they did. So that's USA Gymnastics' response. In addition to his role at USA Gymnastics, Nasser served as a faculty member at Michigan State in their medical school, and he was a team physician for the university and Holt High School. Michigan State has suspended Nasser from clinical and patient duties, and he will remain suspended during the investigation. The university also began a Title IX investigation, which prohibits discrimination on the basis of gender and educational programs. Nasser's affiliations do not end there. He worked with Tristar Gymnastics Club and John Geddert had this to say in the Indy Star Report. Um, He's an extremely professional physician, very competent and goes above and beyond the call of duty in treating athletes. He's probably one of the most respected gymnastics professionals I've ever had to deal with. Um, Nasser is also the president of the Gymnastics Doctor Autism Foundation, and he is running for the local school board. His lawyer, Matthew Bargula, said Nasser, quote, emphatically denies any wrongdoing. After being shown a copy of the lawsuit Monday, Borgula said Dr. Nasser, to the extent the allegations are against him, adamantly denies any misconduct at this or any other time. His attorney also told the Indy Star that the resignation was not because the resignation from USA Gymnastics was not because of the sexual assault allegations, but did say USA Gymnastics notified him of, quote, potentially criminal allegations prior to his resignation. So that's a very general summary of what's been reported. Jessica, to start things off, can you explain the difference between a civil case, a criminal case, and a complaint? 
Yeah. So um, a complaint is basically the piece of paper that you turn into the court or to the police that details the reasons that you think, like in this case, that you think USA Gymnastics or NASA are responsible for hurting you. So in a civil case, which is the Jane Doe case that we're talking about with the Olympian. So she filed for civil damages. So think about that as she's saying, USA Gymnastics, you're responsible for creating the environment. If this is true, you're responsible for creating the environment where this was allowed to happen. And so you get monetary damages. So that's what civil is money versus prison, basically. Um, the, the criminal complaint um, can only be brought by the DA. So someone like Rachel, she went to the police, she filed a complaint with the police, and then now only the DA can bring those criminal char- charges. And then criminal is prison versus money, which is in a civil case. Jessica here adding an editor's note. Sometimes a civil suit isn't just about punitive damages in the form of money. Sometimes it can be really used as a tool to change things. So to give another sports example, um, the family of Ted Agu, who was a football player at Berkeley, they settled a wrongful death lawsuit with Cal, but the family made sure the settlement included changes, specific changes in the way that the athletes are treated at Berkeley, um, which would prevent another death like his from happening. So Jane Doe in her lawsuit has the opportunity to really make USAG change everything by putting conditions on a potential settlement. So she could, all the things we're talking about, about the kind of things that Safer Athletes has and demands be put in place, she could put those kind of demands in a settlement and make things potentially better for gymnasts in the future. In this case, there is an ongoing criminal investigation in Michigan, and the uh, I talked to um, Vince Finaldi um, at the law firm that Jane Doe uh, has handling her case, and uh, he confirmed that um, the firm has also been in touch with the U.S. attorney um, in regards to the criminal case against Nasser. Yeah. And another thing, if I'm not mistaken, is that there's a difference in terms of the standard of proof, right? So standard of proof is lower in civil cases. Usually you just need a preponderance of evidence as opposed to beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the case in criminal cases. Is that correct, Jessica? Yeah. like, And obviously we're not attorneys. We can't give advice on any of that stuff. But yes, in, in general, that's true. And if an easy way to think about this is... Um, OJ was found innocent of the criminal charges, but he was found guilty in the civil case. Um, that's a good way to think of the what the burden of proof is. Okay. And so, you, as you said, um, you talked to Vince Finaldi, and a lot of people were wondering why did she... Jane Doe file as a Doe, as an anonymous person, and list USA Gymnastics and Nasser as Doe's as well. So in California, um, the legislature, and you know, it's different in every state, but in California, the legislature and the courts recognize that people aren't really likely to come forward if they have to share their identity. So it's something that California has decided to do in order to encourage victims to come forward. And so by allowing someone to file as a doe, she's not denied her right to privacy just because she's a victim. So that is why she decided to do that. Um, in terms of what's happening with 
uh, why USAG and NASA and everybody are also listed as does. It's a procedural rule in California where if the plaintiff, so if Jane Doe, the Olympian in this case, is over the age of 26, she has to list the defendants, USAG and Nasser, et cetera, um, as does as well. And this is something that can change later. It's someone can file a motion and just have them list their actual names, but it's a procedural requirement in California. So I'm sure later everyone's names will come out um, on the defendant's side, but her identity is protected and that's in order to encourage her to come forward. Yeah, I think that's important to mention that. I don't know. It's I think sexual assault occurs a lot in this in our society and a lot of it goes unreported. So the victims often remain silent because they fear being subjected to public scrutiny and blame um, that would come from having them being named in the media. Um, and, and so and that's one of the things yeah, like I wanted ahead. to mention, like. It's everyone is going to have want to speculate about who this is and who Jane Doe is. And I would really, really encourage you guys to do that privately and not do it publicly on any form of social media. If you want to talk, of course, people are curious and that's going to happen. But please don't post these things. It's hard enough for someone to come forward about this. And to have people constantly posting your name everywhere, I mean, it's scary enough to do this. So please, please don't tweet at us with names. Don't don't put that out there and really encourage other people to be sensitive to this. It was hard enough, I'm sure, for this woman to come forward. Um, one question I have sort of related to that, because I think a lot of people are posting names because there's so much biographical information in this complaint that if you have followed U.S. gymnastics, it's very obvious who the plaintiff is. And I was wondering why there's so much biographical information in there. Like, doesn't a, a lot of it seem like not really pertinent? And yet it was so much. It's just a question I had because I don't really know why there was so much like information about who this person is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It would all be speculation on my yeah. part. But I mean, if I was totally guessing, I would say because it lends more credence to who she is, you know, when yeah. it, this isn't just I mean, it's terrible to say it's not just a level kid or it's not just a wreck kid. Like this is someone that represented our country at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Attorneys weigh in. Spencer, in the past, during the Olympics, you were <laughs> you were very honest about what you thought about all these allegations coming out. So I was curious, what did you think when you heard about this today? I mean, my first thought was, uh, again, more. Uh, um, but I think really my first thought was that I wish I were surprised. Like, I wish that I were shocked or outraged or all of those things that you're supposed to be when you hear something so terrible but it's kind of there's so much of it and we've come to expect it in usa gymnastics which is a major part of the problem like behind the scenes uh jessica texted me last night saying something like there will be a story tomorrow that will that is going to come out that we'll have to talk about in the show very cryptic blind item because you're like agatha christie but I um, I didn't have to guess what it was about. Like, I didn't have to wonder, even though you didn't say specifically. And that's kind of where we are with USA Gymnastics and the sexual assault. Like you said, there's going to be a big story. And I already knew what that meant and what it was going to be. And, 
yeah so that was that's kind of the depressing part to me is that just the or more more depressing than the actual story is that part of it and that i saw a lot of people being shocked that it's dr nasser because in circumstances particularly the interview that you did with him he comes across very well or i thought he came across very well and it's uh remind and like even listening to Gettert's response it's a reminder that he seems like a good guy isn't a defense or isn't a thing or he's i mean this is and this is all the acknowledgement of this is all allegedly in this case but he you know he my interactions with him have always been positive isn't a thing and isn't doesn't mean or he says all the right things isn't a defense because in your interview with him he said all the right things he said the completely, you know, we have to look out for the athletes and their safety and their well-being and first priority and talking about the 2000 process. And he, you know, all of those things. And so it's no one is above suspicion in that way. And you can't just assume that because someone says the right things or you have a positive impression of them, that that puts them above suspicion because you have to be vigilant always and no one is above suspicion. It just made my stomach turn. Um, doctors take the Hippocratic Oath, which states, I will utterly reject harm and mischief. And in this case, again, if the allegations are true, it seems like the Hippocratic Oath was broken. And it also made me feel a lot of empathy for the gymnasts who came forward. I think that some people respond to these scenarios with, I'm sorry about what happened to you. And then they secretly think that they would never allow that to happen to them and their children. Um, and as someone who has suffered from lower back pain and hip problems, I can see how a patient would trust a doctor and then later in life would realize that what happened was perhaps not okay. I mean, I've had doctors apply all kinds of things to the small of my back and I'm buttocks and I've had my pubis popped into place. And you just think, okay, at the time when the, all this is happening, you just think, okay, Mr. Doctor, you're saying that, or Mrs. Doctor, you're saying that I need this to make my back feel better and I want to feel better. So let's do it. And I trust you because you're a doctor. Um, but, you know, obviously, granted, my experience was very different. Consult, consent was always part of my treatment. And when I was a Minor. My parents were always present for those examinations, but I can totally see how this could happen to someone. Um, and so I would urge people to fight that urge to think, oh, this would never happen to me, or I would never allow this happen to happen to my children. And the last thing I think I thought about was the ripple effect. How many people are thinking back and questioning things, the victims, coaches, the victims, parents, um, other medical staff at USA Gymnastics and other gymnasts who perhaps experienced similar treatment. And I hate to say this, but I have a feeling that these will not be the only two individuals who come forward. Um, Jessica, what were you going to say? Yeah, so I was going to say um, Angel, who's written into the show before and who has talked about, I think he worked in HR and he talked about when something happened, he would always have a witness in the room of the same sex as the person, the employee he had to talk to for the protection of both him and the employee. And he said on Twitter, if this gymnast, we're talking about Jane Doe, um, if, if this gymnast was convinced this disgusting behavior was normal, then how early should girls be educated on proper contact? And I think what he's saying is so important because 
um, I, I'm just shocked that I'm shocked that any of this happened because number one, um, the no gloves, no one should ever be touching you (laughs) with no gloves, first of all. Um, and also when you're a minor, like this is the thing you should know. I mean, a lot of times when we educate people about what your private parts and like i know talking to my nieces about like this like who who's allowed to touch you like your parents and a doctor but even in this case if it's something on your private parts uh you need to have and i always think you should actually use the exact words i never say private parts i'll say vagina penis anus um you should have a, your parent in the room they shouldn't be doing that to you there should be someone in the room with you so you should say yes the doctor can do that if your mom is in the room with you if your dad is in the room with you and they say it's okay too and the other thing is you always have the power to say no or wait or not right now or stop and think about it and come back to it um so i just think that it's never too early to say that it's never too early to start making sure that somebody knows that how they feel and their body is more important than whatever else is going on and that that especially when it comes to the genitals that you should have consent that minors know my mom has to say my dad has to say it's okay for you to do this my guardian has to say it's okay for you to do this that it's always okay to say no even practice that practice saying no hold on i'm going to talk to my mom i'll be back and then run you don't ever have to come back if you don't want to they don't know that whatever makes you comfortable but also i mean the the other thing that also makes me mad about this is like if this is true no matter what even if usa gymnastics did the exact right thing and went to the police immediately immediately they created an environment if this is true that let this happen somehow he was alone in the athletes rooms and there was no Debbie, the athletic trainer, wasn't there. There was no female chaperone, Kathy Kelly or um, Rhonda Fain. I don't know if she had the job then. Maybe Rhonda didn't work then when he was there. But they weren't there. There should always be. So how did it, how was everything so lax that he was alone with people? And I mean, I don't know any doctor that would put themselves in this situation because it doesn't protect the doctor either. You know, this is why you always have a witness that's the same sex to protect the doctor, too. This is the same argument for police and having body cams, too. It protects the police, too. Anyway, uh, it sucks. But how would they not? That's the part. I guess I agree. That's so shocking to me. Like we were talking about there being a parent in the room and parental consent. So if you're treating someone at camp, the the parents aren't going to be there. So it's shocking to me that USA Gymnastics would not have like very specific procedures in place for medical procedures where a parent isn't there and can't be in the room. That seems like the most obvious, like the first thing you would think and do and have. Right. And and my understanding is that you have to sign a document that your coach is your kind of legal guardian, especially for when you travel overseas. But and I think so they're supposed to be that person for medical procedure. And also they have a female trainer all during this time. They had a female trainer who's also supposed to be the same sex person who was there who could have been the witness to all this. Just like when you go to the doctor's office, they'll, you know, have a nurse come in. So there's someone else same sex in there. That's exactly what there should have been a procedure. And if it wasn't followed, then that makes them even more liable if this is all true. OK, so I want to ask you guys about the tour. If you're... If you're an athlete, I mean, now the tour is happening. USA Gymnastics runs the tour. So you're an athlete. You're the majority of the athletes on the tour are adults. They're over 18. There are a couple of minors. 
would you trust USA Gymnastics to make sure you're safe from sexual predators 24-7 when they're arranging the tour and the buses and the accommodation? How are you feeling right now? I think the athletes are probably, I don't, I mean, yeah, you would be concerned at the very least that this is happening, especially if all of these athletes in the women's artistic program had a lot of contact with Dr. Nasser. So either I think it's a, a shot, well, maybe it's not shocking, but a difficult thought for them of a place where you think you have felt safe. I hope they have thought they felt safe in the past that maybe you aren't. And I think you are, I actually doubt they are rethinking anything because you have that tendency to think like, well, it's always been fine before, so it'll be fine for me again. But I don't know if I were them, I would be. And uncle Tim, what what about about in terms of, you know, if you're an athlete and I know now that my, I mean, one of the great things about the tour is it's a way of profit sharing with the athletes. You know, they have this big tour and the athletes get paid to be on the tour and they also get a share of the merchandise that's sold at the very end of the tour. And that's one of the great things that USA Gymnastics does to give back to the athletes. On the other hand, USA Gymnastics also makes a lot of money off of this. And if you know now that we know they're fighting two lawsuits for the same issue right now, uh, how are you feeling about the money that's being generated off of your work? Well, it depends on whether you are an athlete who thinks about those questions or not, right? I'm assuming that some athletes, this is not even something that they're necessarily thinking about. Um, And for other athletes who might be more sensitive towards these issues, I think it would be somewhat problematic. Um, And it's hard, right? A lot of institutions have been built on less than ideal circumstances. Stanford University, for instance, you know, the Stanford family made some of their money off of building the trans, um, transcontinental railroad and that they used, um, what people commonly refer refer to as coolies as, uh, Asian labor to, um, build that railroad off those people's backs. Um, and so it's, I don't know, it's a very complicated issue. Um, and I think there's a lot of gray area there. Um, some people are going to see it in a very black and white, and I'm guessing you, Jessica, see it in a very black <laughs> and white way. But I think that <laughs> there is it's it's a hard issue with it, and I hope that the athletes are grappling with it. Yeah, I mean, I know that I tend to be the total like reactionary, like freak out, and then later be like, okay, well, let me let me calm down for a second. But the thing that makes me so upset about this whole thing is, like, I am just, where is the outrage over this? Like, where where are the people like protesting on the steps of USA Gymnastics? Where are the people protesting the tour? Where are the freaking sponsors pulling their sponsorships? I mean, we have the NFL p- players who are actually. St- standing up for something they're taking a stance i mean that's a bad way to put it literally standing up they're sitting down for the national anthem but they're actually taking a stance for civil rights and they're losing sponsors for taking a stand for civil rights if you i mean and and now we have 
they're losing sponsors, but we have, like, so we have AT&T and P&G and Kellogg's and Under Armour and GK. They're all still sponsoring USA Gymnastics. If you want to sponsor the athletes, sponsor the athletes. But at this point, how can you associate your brand with a company like this? Even if this turns out, like, that none of this is true, like, People pull their sponsorships for way less than this. That's what I'm saying, basically. Like, I think not standing up for the national anthem is nothing compared to what's happening at USA Gymnastics. And that's what I'm saying. Like, people standing up for uh, people getting murdered is less than what's going on at USA Gymnastics. Like, that's not a very nice thing to say. But I'm just like, where is the outrage? Where are people writing letters? Like, I know we have Feinstein and a bunch of other senators wrote letters to Steve Penny. And you can see that up on our um, Instagram which you can zoom into now. So handy. So you can read it on Instagram. But, you know, where (laughs) I'm just expecting more outrage and it's not coming. And I really don't know, like, what else, what else to do to get people pissed off. You know, I even ask my, uh, my, um, the pa- I forget what they're called, the parents of my nieces, um, my in-laws, uh, you know, I constantly ask them, like, have you looked at background checks of these coaches that are coaching them? Like, have you asked to see proof of their background checks? Like, have you actually made sure there's a social media policy that's being followed? Are you making sure they're not co-? like and everyone? No one is afraid of this until it happens to them. And it's super frustrating to me. I don't I mean, we talk about this all the time and I'm just. Kellogg's, what are you doing? Like, stand up for something. Freaking Kellogg's. <laughs> Under Armour. Anyway, that's how I feel about it. Um, so, Spencer, we had a, a listener write in um, and tell us about something that really explains kind of the complexity of this issue. Um, and also, we have some uh, places for people to do follow up if they want. Yeah. Um, what, Teresa sent in... Um and said, in case you aren't Reveal podcast listeners, you should listen to their newest podcast, where a journalist talks through the process of trying to prosecute her childhood coach for sexual abuse. So it's very relevant to what we're talking about now. So you can give that a listen. Uh, the Indie Star will continue, says they'll continue to investigate this topic and has continued to investigate. So if you have information uh, you'd like to share with them, please email investigations at IndieStar.com or call 317-444-6262 or contact the Manly Stewart and Finaldi law firm. That's the law firm um, working with uh, Jane Doe. They're known for going after clergy and sports and Boy Scouts and school district and U.S. school districts and USA Swimming. Uh, their contact is 949-252-9990. And of course, contact law enforcement too, if you know anything. Okay, let's talk about our next subject, happier times. Let's talk about the Jim Internet News and Alexei Nemov's gymnastics Russian extravaganza. Have you guys watched the, um, the video for this? It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Spencer, have you seen it? I- no, I haven't seen it. Oh my god. Should I should I see it? Yes. Oh my god. You should it's like two and a half minutes and you should do a whole recap. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say two and a half hours and I was like, I don't know, like 
It's two and a half minutes of the best like preview video you've ever seen. It's so Russian, it hurts. And um and it's um like it deserves a recap. That's how spectacular it is. Like there's fire, there's super fancy carpets, there's more fire, there's drummers, there's people doing um trampoline and wedding dresses, as far as I can tell. There's Svetlana Horkina in a skin tight blue outfit dangling from the ceiling. There's little kids. There's all the things. It's You ended on little kids? Well, there's that like... was your big crescendo. <laughs> but I think it's like Alexei Nemov's son doing gymnastics with him, which is like... Uh, but there's like all the stars are in it. It's just like... It looks so much better than the Kellogg's tour ever has been. <laughs> but that's really the thing. Like, I actually thought there was a tiger in it at one point, but I'm not positive it wasn't someone in a costume. But I wouldn't put it past the Russians for having have a tiger or, like, some bears or some wild animals, like, in on the sidelines, like, just for, you know, shits and giggles. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture John McCready playing with fire on the sidelines at a USA Gymnastics event <laughs> like the people are doing in this video oh we can dream um okay so let's see oh Allie and simone are going to be on lip sync battle so they already filmed it there's a little teaser up on our do we put it up on twitter yeah um they're wearing like white ballet outfits and they twirl and they leap and i'm very excited about this uh Lori is on dancing with the stars tonight it may have already happened spencer uh you're going to be recapping this for us right Oh, th- that would mean I would have to watch Dancing with the Stars. You're not going to make me watch Dancing with the Stars, are you? No, just watch Lori's part. We don't care about anything else that happens. Oh, okay, okay. I'll watch Lori's part. She's going to be good. Like, the best ever. I'm just she saying. She better win. Otherwise, she is a huge disappointment to everyone. I like when they have that video of a huge disappointment. The video of her meeting her partner, and she's like, hey, I'm so excited you're here. And then she's like, we're going to win this, right? And he's like, uh, I like your enthusiasm. And she just looks at him like, what the hell do you think I'm doing with my life, loser? Like, why do you think I'm here? Swear your fealty to me now. She's like, I'm part of the U.S. women's gymnastics team. We don't not win things. All gold or I'm gone. Promise me. Oh, it's the best. Okay. So, in other news, we were talking about the tour earlier. And, you know, all the Olympians are offered a spot um, on the tour. And Orozco, John Orozco is one of those. But, you know, he tore his ACL again. Right? Or was it? Yeah, ACL. His Achilles, he tore, announces ACL again. If you've been following him on... um, Snapchat or Instagram, it has been incredibly depressing because, like, he's constantly bleeding out of his knee, and then some volunteer messed up his stitches, and he was bleeding some more, and there's, like, pictures of him on the bike bleeding through his bandages, and he seems to be having a terrible time, like, let alone, like, all the other things in his life, and then not making the Olympic team because he tore his ACL again. Now it's getting worse. So he posted this on Instagram. He said, sad to announce that after much deliberation, I've been denied the opportunity to participate in the 2016 Kellogg's Tour of Champions until I'm deemed healthy enough by USA Gymnastics, regardless of doctor's clearance. Best wishes to everyone celebrating, blah, 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 some other stuff. So my question for you guys is, it seems to be that he's saying he's been cleared by his doctors, but USA Gymnastics still isn't taking him. Does anything seem a little off about this based on what we know about past tours and gymnasts? 
I'm surprised to learn that USA Gymnastics suddenly cares about people being injured on the tour. That's new, right? Right? Like, haven't there been, like, how? what were all the injuries last time? Like, Jordan? Like, John Roscoe's, right? Oh, yeah, okay. But Didn't it, he get injured last time on the tour? <laughs> yes, he did. But even before, before the tour started, like, Jordan had a fractured shin. Um... Michaela Maroney was just in a few pieces on the floor, right? <laughs> she by was that point. already broken in two places, I think. She had her fractured toe, something else, and then she broke her leg again. And then Anna Lee was on the door with literally a broken neck. Like, <laughs> like his knee injury, like four, three months out, seems to be way less, like, not as bad as the injuries that they started the tour with last time. Um, so I'm a little confused about that. Especially because, like, Nastia is on the tour. Like, what's she going to be doing, like, a ganger? No. Right. Like, it's not like you have to do a bunch of gymnastics. Like, I'm fine if they're like, don't do a landing. Like, fine, good. Keep yourself healthy. That's fine. But, like, you can prance around or whatever they do. Right. Prance around, be in the talks. You know, they sell those extra tickets for a billion dollars to go do the chalk talk and whatever. Like, he'd be great for those. He has person. He can sing. He can dance. He can just mark his spots in the dance because even doing that, he'll be better than all the other men on the tour. (laughs) I don't think any of them can dance. Although Sam, maybe. Maybe Sam can dance. So stay tuned on that. Okay, we're going to talk about voicemails. We had a lot of voicemails and uh, emails and lots of your feedback, including some outraged letters, which are my favorite. So if you have feedback for us, call us and leave a voicemail at 415-800-3191 or for free on Skype from anywhere on the planet. Maybe space. I don't even know. Can you Skype from space? Maybe possible. Um it's Gymcastic Podcast, our username or email us at gymcastic.com. It's gymcastic at gmail.com, excuse me. Um, and also, if you want to support what we're doing on the show, check out Club Gym Nerd. Okay, here is the first, a little quiz, because we had a listener write in and answer this question that we had been asking for quite a long time. You guys, who is the first black female U- U.S. Olympian? Uncle Tim. I think it's commonly said that it's Lucy Collins who was on the 1980 team that never competed due to the boycott. Damn it. You got it right. Good job. <laughs> of course he did. What was I thinking? <laughs> so it is. You were supposed to guess Dominique Dawes and then Jessica would be like, no. <laughs> exactly. So um, we got a letter and um, it's <laughs> so the letter said, um, but she's, <laughs> I guess I can say this is from her sister. And she's like, yeah, we're too fair skinned for anybody to really notice until recently. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Hi, uh, my name is Sarah and I'm from Rochester, New York. And my question is for Spencer and maybe Uncle Tim, because you guys are the code experts. And it's about the forward to backwards acro passes on theme. Because I know they used to have them, they were, I think they were worth more in the older code, like in 2008, like back quad, because everyone was doing that, like forward aerial, back handspring, back layout, step out. And I was wondering why they like downgraded the forward to backward, because it's not, I mean, I know it's not like a rebounding pass, but I also kind of feel like 
forward to forward um, passes on beam aren't really rebounding. Like I'm thinking Alita forward layout, forward layout or forward aerial, sorry, forward aerial, forward aerial. Like that's not really a rebounding pass. So I'm wondering why like that counts, but the forward to backward doesn't count as much. Anyway, uh, love the show. You guys, thanks. Thank you for calling in, and you are absolutely right. The aerial to back handspring to layout step out used to be 0.2, two-tenths in connection value. Um, that was gotten rid of for a number of reasons. It was kind of easy to be worth two-tenths. Everyone was doing it, so it was just overused. And they weren't real connections like most people would do an aerial walkover and then pause for 85 minutes and then do a backhand spring to layout step out. So in recent codes that was removed uh, a one-tenth bonus for those forward two four forward 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 acro elements that we've seen can have been retained. I think because it's considered more difficult and it could be really amazing if you actually did it rebounding. I think they hoped that more you would have to have more speed or a little bit more rhythm to do those combinations. It hasn't really worked out that way. And you rightly point out that there are just as many pauses and they're just as slow in those forward combinations as they used to be in the forward to backward. Actually, the Women's Technical Committee seems to have realized this because they have gotten rid of any non-rebounding two acrobatic skill connection bonuses for starting in 2017 for the next code. So those forward elements, which are basically the same as the forward to backward, won't get connection value on their own. Uh, they can still get bonus as part of a series, and there are dance elements that can be connected and not rebounding. So there's still plenty of hypocrisy to go around, the exact amount we would expect from the Women's Technical Committee. But you're right in pointing out that it's weird, and they've actually decided to recognize that it's weird, and they have gotten rid of it. And thank you for a voicemail to me for with my specialist subject. <laughs> beam combinations <laughs> she was basically like jessica this is not for you because i know you have no idea about the code and can't remember anything <laughs> and i was like yes that's less right about roles <laughs> less about roles and i know all of the values okay so um this next one is um I'm, i've decided it's for you uncle tim so this is a voicemail and or not a voicemail it's an email and here's my dramatic reading dear jim castic since the Olympics, I'm curious and appalled about grooming and dressing in women's sports. How does one sport become hyper gender normative and others opposite, like beach volleyball versus indoor volleyball? Total opposites. Uncle Tim has spoken about gymnastics norms being solidified in the 50s to explain the difference in men's and women's events. Does this also explain the glitziness, materialism, and enforced near nakedness? we see in Leo's today. To back up my near nakedness claim, I cite Alicia Sacramoni, who said that posing nude for ESPN's body issue was not that different from wearing a leotard. To be clear, I think those leotards are fine if a gymnast likes them, but I don't believe the population of gymnasts perfectly overlaps with the population of girls and women who like traditional gender norms. I think, I think it was Jordan Weaver who said she doesn't know any gymnasts who don't like crystals. Oh, me. That would be me, Jordan. How is that statistically possible? What is the correlation between superhuman athleticism and crystals? Signed, conflicted but ardent gym fan, Rachel. 
Uncle Tim, how do you respond? <laughs> well, that was quite the dramatic reading. Uh, yes, so there are a couple for that. For I know. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. So there are a lot of things to discuss, um, but first, I think we need to note that the code is not necessarily preserved in Amber. It does change with time and gender norms have changed maybe subtly over time. Um, for example, regarding groomness, uh, grooming, pardon, groomness, uh, lack of neatness in the presentation and bearing of the gymnast could be a one-tenth or two-tenth deduction in the 1964 code of points. Um, in the code of points from 1968, floor exercise was supposed to conform to with the quote morphology of the gymnast and the quote temperament of the gymnast. Um, it rejected quote forced and artificial expressions, noting that such expressions should be reserved for modern dance. Um, it also demanded a certain lightness. That's the word they used on floor. I mean, just think about that. To require gymnasts to perform skills in accordance with their body type, that in in itself is somewhat controversial, but to require a universal lightness on top of that, um, that just seems like a recipe for disaster. And that was the code that Olga Corbett competed under um, and had success under. Um, so yeah, as you can see, when you look back at the old codes, things have changed a little bit. Um, in terms of the sparkles and leotards, um, we know for a fact that not all gymnasts are attracted to the sparkles. Um, Outsports interviewed a Canadian rhythmic gymnast who was turned off by the sparkles. She said, I never dress butch, but people noticed. Um, my coach would ask me why I wasn't wearing a dress. She seemed disappointed. My other teammates would get excited about getting dolled up and I just didn't care. Um, so, you know, there are other people who, you know, aren't uh, subscribing to these gender norms. And I think there's another thing that we briefly touched upon during one of our Olympics podcasts. But when it comes to the sparkles, we should note that fashion and class and wealth often go hand in hand. Um, for example, way back in the day in colonial Latin America, clothing was a way of distinguishing castes of people. And in gymnastics, I'd say that the type of material, the number of crystals, et cetera, can mm -hmm. signal the wealth of a gymnastics federation and or the wealth of a nation. Um, so there's a lot to discuss in this little email. It's a pretty dense email. Jessica, do you have anything to add? I heard some mm-hmms in the background. <laughs> Well, you know that there was a report that the um, it was on a podcast. Oh, answer me this podcast. I'm pretty sure it's one of my favorite podcasts by some British folks. And um, they said that the medals in Rio were worth less than the leotards the British gymnasts were wearing. Yes, the leotards more expensive than the actual medal won by Amy Tinkler or the silver medal or the the. Uh, gold medal won by Max Whitlock. So that's, yeah, talking about the whole class and sparkles thing. And uh, yeah, that's what I have to contribute, basically. That was it. 
All right, let's move on to our next question, um, which is, why was Simone the only one from Team USA in the vault final? Allie killed it in the qualification round. Wasn't her score high enough to make top eight? It doesn't look like they listed her score for some reason. Please help. Huge fan, Christy. All right, so Christy, to quickly answer your question, um, in order to qualify for event finals, you need to perform two vaults from two different vault families. Um, Ali only did an Aminar, and yes, she did score well, but she only competed one uh, one vault. Simone, however, did an Aminar and a Chang, which made her eligible eligible for event finals. In the past, it wasn't always that way. Some people might remember, for example, 1992, where, let's say, Kim Zameskel qualified for the event finals after performing two Yurchenko layout fulls um, and then got to event finals and was like, oh, I suddenly have to do a different vault from a different family and did a handspring front tuck, unfortunately, right to her keister. Um, so it wasn't always that way, but those are the rules now. Hi, this is Sarah in Dallas, and I would like to know, how would you explain NCAA gymnastics to somebody who has no idea how any NCAA sport works? Thanks. Love you guys. Bye. NCAA sports are a system of collegiate athletics for people usually around the ages of 18 to 22 uh, when they are in colleges and universities in the U.S. Uh, They compete on a number of sports teams and uh, in all kinds of different sports, and gymnastics is one of them. And NCAA gymnastics in particular uh, differs from elite modern elite gymnastics quite a bit in its uh, code of points, which still retains the 10. Um, it's more like a 1992 style code of points and the uh, small number of deductions, but then making them more critical scores tend to be very high. Uh, very few deductions are taken. It is much more uh, shouty and smiley and yelly and enthusiastic than elite gymnastics. So also, if that's your kind of thing, um, Uncle Tim, more to add. Well, speaking about the men, it's a little bit different from the women. The men do use the open-ended code. Um, Something that um, I think we should mention, too, is the fact that uh, you can get a full scholarship for gymnastics to attend a university. in women's gymnastics, um, a university can extend twelve full scholarships, and in men's gymnastics, you can only a university can only as, extend six point three, um, and so they divide the men's up usually a little bit differently. Somebody might have a half scholarship or a three quarters scholarship, um, and so. Like I said, the men usually use the open-ended code. If you're an elite men's gymnastics fan, some people watch uh, NCAA gymnastics as a way of trying to identify the next top male elite gymnast from the United States. Um, granted, there are male gymnasts, male elite gymnasts who do not do NCAA. Danelle Leva being one of them as an example, but other gymnasts like um, Alex Nador, Jake Dalton, etc. have um, have participated in NCAA gymnastics. And right now, Oklahoma on the men's and women's side, um, that's the university to watch. Jessica, what would you like to add? I would just like to say it's like 
it gymnastics with the fan insanity that you've always dreamed of. So imagine a Brazilian soccer game in Brazil at the Olympics when they win, like just happened, or the uh, NFL game, a home game when they're beating their biggest rival. It's the fans are crazy and go nuts and it's like spotlight all the stuff we say never happens in movies actually happens at nca meets there's spotlights and the gymnasts are huge stars and there's fire it's like russia um it's there's like fire cannons like they do in the, the british thing um it's just crazy fandoms people screaming like crazy and a major emphasis on form so people that i mean i'm just gonna call out ali and skinner on bars they would get like sevens on bars and nca because you they're so strict about form so form is a huge deal <laughs> it's true they would get eights i'm just they saying would get like if they did their elite routines they would get yes. sevens <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Form. I'm trying to have you market this sport. It's form, 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 and fans, fans, fans. That's what it's all about. It's awesome. If you like the 1992 code, you'll love NCAA gymnastics. But there's a lot of sparkles. So if you're like me and you don't like sparkles, you have to put up with that nonsense. And face stickers. (laughs) Yeah, temp tattoos on the face. Oh, God. And shantytown hairstyles. (laughs) (laughs) Nastia 2012 trials is like an aspirational lifestyle. But we, you can just make fun of that part. Oh, okay, Spencer, what do we have for hate mail? Ah, uh, we have my favorite email I've ever received um, from someone who would like you to know that having uh, opinions that other people disagree with about certain sports is really hurtful. Okay, so the email reads as follows. Can I just say I love your show and I've been a listener since day one. Thank you. But sometimes, Jessica, you are so fucking disrespectful towards other sports, it's infuriating. You can shove your stupid rage-a-meter up your ass, TBH. I'm gonna, already going to get you a, a pillow with that embroidered on it. Uh, because a lot of us feel rage when you talk about certain things, too. S- quote, swimming is the most boring sport ever. Really? If you are rooting for someone, then a race on land or in the water is far from boring. You just don't know shit about the people on the, about the sport or the people in it. So for you, it's just people people swimming up and down a lane. Please do me a favor and never ever get outraged about four-year fans. At least they want to learn something about the sport before completely dismissing it. To me, wrestling is the dumbest shit ever, but I would never go out and say that on a podcast you kind of just did because i read it because i know that for some reason there are people who like it think about how upset you get when someone says something about gymnastics that you don't agree with it's fine to have a different opinion and not like things but you need to keep in mind that some of your listeners maybe are swimmers or play soccer or any other sport that you hate on and it can be hurtful to them if you don't like the game it's fine i don't like rugby wrestling bobsled or curling but please stop being such a pretentious douchebag on the podcast thoughts <laughs> Oh my god, I love this letter so much. Uh, you are correct. I am a, a total asshole when it comes to other sports. Thank you for your letter. <laughs> Moving on. Um, dear Jim Castic, I need your help. 
that's what we're here for. Okay, now, speaking of the four-year fan, we all know one, but I had a friend on Facebook who just went on this rant yesterday after the men's all-around final. How do we encourage the love of the sport and inform people without getting defensive? My anonymous Facebook friend said, why must the floor routine for women's gymnastics include dancing and posing when the men's gymnastics is purely tumbling? Don't you think it is unnecessary or even sexist when they are gymnasts the same as men the only portion of the female routine that i'm interested in is the tumbling this is also true on balance beam that's the end of the quote the anonymous facebook friend i don't even know where to begin just uh gymcastic experts i need your help seriously your podcast is the best thing ever to happen in the universe thank you all for all you do r.i.p 90 scrunchies this is from morgan my answer would be get defensive when people have stupid opinions, they should be told that those opinions are stupid. What do you guys think? Uncle Tim, do you have thoughts first? I mean, I think Jessica probably agrees with that. Um, I probably am a <laughs> little more gentle sometimes, depending on the situation. But, you know, I think it's a gym nerd's go to reaction to be a little defensive um and so i think sometimes we need to take a deep breath write out all our feelings because this seems to be happening on (laughs) on facebook write them all out don't hit send just write them all out maybe send them to yourself if you still feel very strongly then go back and read what you wrote maybe tone it down a level and then hit post. But, you know, lots of times after you write it out, you're not going to feel the need to post them. No, no, no. That's not what you do. (laughs) Just lose your mind, post all of your angry thoughts, and then edit or delete later if you're horribly embarrassed about what you said or have lost friends over it. That's what I do. (laughs) But the real question is, in all seriousness, the real question is, uh, why don't the men get to dance? Hmm? That's the real crime in all of this. That is the point that your friends should be asking about. But you could respond by saying, like, you're right. The code destroyed dance. It used to make sense. But now they don't even dance except the Netherlands gymnast and Lori Hernandez. Now they just wacky prance around <laughs> and it looks ridiculous. So it's no wonder you're asking, you're asking this and then say, I blame Bruno Grandi and then post a million Nelly Kim and Bruno Grandi uh, memes. That's what I would do. Uh, Uncle Tim, what's next? These memes exist already, or do we have to create them? Oh my god, do we do we have a full collection? Oh my god, you guys, this is an emergency call. We're setting up the gym nerd alert. <laughs> we need memes immediately. Bruno Gandhi memes, all the memes, and Nelly Kim. Oh my god, I have to search for these. <sighs> okay, I'm ready now. Next letter. All right. Dear Jim Castic, huge fan of the podcast, and I need to get something off my chest. That being the role that USAG and NBC both played in the bullying of Gabby 
Douglas. This storyline has been completely created and fabricated by NBC for ratings because they refuse to acknowledge that gymnastics fans actually watch gymnastics for the gymnastics. They created a narrative that Gabby was someone, quote, on the bubble or, quote, undeserving of being on the team when Marta openly spoke of this exact team starting back in January. USAG then allowed this ridiculous drama to perpetuate by not disciplining Michaela Skinner when she retweeted dozens of tweets supporting her making the team over Gabby, including some that were racist. This There is a difference, all capitals, between expressing disappointment that she was, quote, only an alternate versus expressly coming out and saying who she should be replacing. USAG then continued to allow Daggett and Troutwig to provide disgusting commentary on Gabby throughout the games, continuing to perpetuate this myth that she is lazy, an extremely racially charged personality description, that she didn't really deserve to be here, that she is glum and uninspired. Case in point is that not once during the entirety of the Olympic coverage was it mentioned on air that Gabby is the first all-around champion to return since Nadia, especially with ample time for Nadia Fluff with the Romanian team collapse and the 40th anniversary of the 10.0 that was nary a mention was particularly glaring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a complex syntax right there. Um, then Gabby goes on to perform yet another brilliant routine in team finals. And the focus is all about the disappointment she must be feeling only doing one event in finals. Never mind that her bars routine may have been the best, very best of her career and was the second highest scoring routine of the day overall, crushing defeat. Still, nary a word from USA Gymnastics. It goes on. And peace, Rachel. So my initial reaction to this is I think that the Rachel sees a closer connection between USA Gymnastics and NBC than exists. Um, USA Gymnastics doesn't necessarily um, control NBC. That said, um, a lot of people did notice that uh, NBC somewhat turned or turned um, Gabby into a villain. Um, The you know, we've had that discussion on the podcast before with Stefan. Um, Spanny Tampson has been very vocal about that on Twitter. Um, Spencer, Jessica, would you like to add a commentary about this letter? I would just like to, I agree with many of those points, especially if they didn't even mention that she was the first one to make back since Nadia. That's a huge, gigantic deal. Um, and also, I would like to acknowledge you and give you the first ever Gymcastic Award for most uses of the word nary in a single letter. Well done. Gold star. Gold <laughs> star. That was excellent use of the word nary. I mean, I would like to use that word more. Do it. (laughs) Next is a letter that says, Hi, Jessica and the Gymcastic Gang. Jessica, thank you for playing devil's advocate when it came to Gabby. Those thoughts are important, and many people seem to only see Gabby as the perpetual victim see above, without realizing that she and her momager have done many things to bring the spotlight on themselves. Uh, 
I would like to point out something that seems to be overlooked drastically over the past few weeks. I logged onto Twitter and Facebook immediately when the white male shot putters didn't place their hands over their hearts. I did the same thing when the female hurdlers swept the podium and didn't place hands over their hearts. The backlash was there. The criticism was there. But Gabby's mom almost immediately went into booking interviews and talking about Gabby as the victim of hate and bullying. This kept the negativity front and center instead of Natalie Hawkins expressing how proud she was of the amazing accomplishments by Gabby. Three gold medals is a big deal. And instead, you want to dwell only on the fact that there are some trolls that only want to provide their negative opinion. My question for you guys is, did the, quote, entire nation, as some articles have said, actually turn their backs on Gabby? Or is it that Gabby and company can't seem to move on and celebrate the positives? Best wishes from Sarah. Hmm. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to say I agree with both of the last two letters. I agree that there is a vilification and uh, that NBC likes to put uh, Gabby in that narrative. <clears throat> I also agree that this is one of the genius, genius things about Natalie as a manager of her daughter is that she finds a way to put her in the spotlight no matter what happens. And, you know, this uh, Sarah also pointed out in her letter that um there was no no one else's managers or agents. USAG uh, AG didn't react and put a letter out in support of their gymnasts when you know uh, Troutwig made his disgusting comments about Simone's parents, or when there was like the stuff about Lori. There was like a hot hashtag about like something gross about her, which I can't remember right now. But it was like there have been other negative things about other gymnasts, and nobody mentioned it because they just literally don't talk about the haters and don't focus on the haters but that is something that natalie consistently does so um agree on both points uncle tim well i think there are a couple things here um I think that we need to be careful because we don't want to portray Natalie in a racially insensitive way. Um, I think some people would portray Natalie as the angry black woman. Um, And so I really want to make sure we're not doing that on this podcast. Um, Second, I mean, it is fascinating to watch how Natalie has reacted to different things. Um, In some ways, it seems like Amy Borman played that role for Simone. Um, I don't know that um, Nellie Biles was talking um, about things when uh, Troutwig commented on um, Simone's family and um, her adoption, etc. Um, but if I do recall correctly, Amy Borman did make comments on Twitter. However, you know, it wasn't a formal meeting with the press, etc. But mm-hmm. she did play that role for her. Um, and Simone has called Amy her second mother. Um, so... I don't know. It's interesting to see how different people reacted and how the gym internet has reacted to those situations. Um, I don't know. I I don't really have a 
a necess- uh, response to this. Um, I don't think the entire nation perhaps, re- you know, had a reaction to Gabby. That's the original question and we've spun it into something more. Um, but those are my general two cents that we need to be careful when we're talking and also think about, um, the locus of enunciation who's talking when we're analyzing these issues. Let's complicate this a little more with another email about Gabby. Hello. I strongly disagree that Gabby judging the Miss America pageant is hypocritical. I enjoy your podcast and normally agree with your viewpoints. This one, however, had me shaking my head. I was pretty disappointed. Well, my own, I'll insert myself in there. That's kind of the point. You should disagree with some of the things that we say. Yes. Um, this email goes on to say, I disagree with your comment that Gabby can't cry, that she's a victim of bullying and judgment, and then, quote, go do that for a job. These are completely different things. Gabby being picked on and bullied is not at all the same as judges of a pageant judging contestants who signed up with full awareness of the process. Gabby faces aggressive, unwanted harassment on a daily basis. Pageantry, a completely different type of judgment. It is not aggressive or meant to intimidate, is not unsolicited, is condoned by those receiving the judgment, and is limited to within the pageant guidelines. While I do not support pageants or what they stand for, your comparison is a weak one. Gabby has done nothing wrong, and for her to be bullied, victimized, and harassed for her looks, behavior, etc. is wrong and unacceptable. Her judgment is uncalled for and unwanted, and I believe it is racially motivated. Okay, time to go listen to the rest of the episode. All the best, Katie. (laughs) Love how she... um... Stop that one right there. Um, oh, I wanted to mention that I love the way Sarah refers to us as gang because I just, I've always wanted to be in a gang and I'm so excited, <laughs> Sarah. Thank you so we much for gang. that. We are for sure a gang. Um, so to Katie, I would say uh, my thank you for disagreeing. It's important to have a conversation about that and your point about them full awareness of the process. Absolutely. That's why they're all insane for going on Miss America. <laughs> um, and also I would uh, counterpoint to you um, how many black women have ever been Miss America. That's how I feel about that. Uncle Tim. Well, I was not originally part of these discussions, but I didn't necessarily agree with you, Jessica. Um, And I I do generally agree with Katie um, in the sense that um, I don't see the hypocrisy that you see. Um, I think the parallel is more between gymnastics judges in American, um, uh, what is this competition called? Miss America, um, (laughs) judges, right? So Gabby as a gymnast has signed up to be judged by judges. Miss American pageant contestants have signed up to be judged by judges as well. Then when you spin things out to larger society, um, the question becomes as a, an elite gymnast, as an Olympic gymnast, are you signing up to be judged by, um, the larger society? Um, and the same with Miss American pageants, are you signing up to be judged by the larger society? Um, and on what terms and on what grounds? Any thoughts, Spencer? I I think I more agree with Jessica than Uncle Tim. I'm just going to say. Uh-oh. Um, I think that the difference is the judging. I mean, I guess it is part of our distaste for the nature of the Miss America pageant and a judge, judgment based on appearance. So whether you are um, 
signing up for it or not isn't that relevant because it's still the nature of judging someone for their appearance. Now you can come back and say like, isn't gymnastics judging someone for their appearance basically? Cause it's what you're doing. Fair enough. I'm dis- starting to disagree with myself. So we know we're past the hour mark of this podcast. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's about, can you complain about judge- being judged based on your appearance and then judge someone for their appearance, regardless of the context or who signed up for it? That's, that's where I see the hypocrisy. All right. Well, let's move on to the next letter. Um, Hey, guys, my name is Jenna. I would like some advice about something I'm pretty concerned about. If you don't mind me asking, I would really appreciate some advice on starting gymnastics at a a later age and what you think about it. Unfortunately, my age has now caused some concern and my height as well. Is it ideal for me to start gymnastics again? By ideal, I guess I mean statistically, is it logical that I'll actually be able to learn the required skills in time for, say, higher level competition? I know that some gyms actually have age limits as well as age requirements for JAO levels. Because of these factors, I'm also considering whether to do Excel or JO. Jessica, you have many thoughts about age in gymnastics, so let's hear them. Oh my gosh. You know, adult gymnastics is like my favorite thing and my biggest passion in my entire life. So, um, okay, gyms that have age limits. First of all, try to find a gym that doesn't have an age limit. Um, And instead of going straight into a team setting, because it seems like that's what you want to do when you want to compete in a USA gymnastics system, there's lots of alternatives to that. One... I would suggest starting slow, start with an open gym, start with an adult gymnastics class and work yourself back in slow because going straight into a team practice, you will not be able to walk probably for the next week if you haven't done gymnastics in years. Um, You also want to consider whether you want to work out with kids. Um, It can be great and some people like that and some people it's not really exciting to work out with a bunch of people who are 20 years younger than you. So... um, find, I would say, go to a rec or adult gymnastics class or open gym first. Start really, really slow. I mean, like basics, like pretend you are in the kindergarten parent and me class and start with forward rolls and basic conditioning and handstands against the wall. I mean, really, really slow and see how you feel. Just take your ego out of it. Just leave it outside the gym. Pick it up when you come back out because it will get you into trouble. Um, The other thing is, I think Excel is such a great, great, great program. But some gyms, if you choose to do that eventually when you want to compete, but some gyms actually have adult teams, depending on where you live. So um, I would suggest going to... Flow Gymnastics has an adult gymnastics page, or at least they used to. Uh, MastersGymnastics.com has a list of um, gymnastics classes and programs, adult open gym all over the country, around the world, actually. And um, you can also join adult gymnastics like a fine wine group on Facebook. It's a great, great, great group. Super tons of support, lots of people sharing information. And the one adult program that I know about, adult team, is in the Philadelphia area. Um, and then there's, um, just, there's a lot of resources on that, um, mastersgymnastics.com and then also the adult gymnastics, like a fine wine Facebook group. You'll find lots of support there, but basically start slow. Think about competing when you're in shape and, um, you can totally do it. You can absolutely do it. There's lots of adults who compete. Um, think about, um, uh, uh, uh. 
King Kohei, his mom, just competed. She's 50. She just won her age group in the Japan Adult Gymnastics League. So you absolutely can do it. Just start slow and take it one step at a time. Okay. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. Well, <laughs> and what advice would you give for uh, to, an, let's say, a teenager who may not have skills to be, let's say, a level eight? Um, because we don't know if um, Jenna is an adult or if she is, um, you know, high school and just doesn't, you know, is not um, a level eight, maybe has the skills of a level five, let's say, or something along those lines. So I would call gyms and at, tell them what your what you think your skill level is, where you started, where you stopped, and see what options are open to you. Call a lot of gyms, go and watch the gym, see who you have a good feel for, and see who will work with you. There might be some gyms who will actually do kind of a tryout or a private lesson with you and see what your level is at and then suggest something for you. Um, but also, uh, how do I want to say this? Just make sure you weigh all your options and find a place that's really the right option for you because you might want to try something like tumbling um, or trampoline. A lot of places have high school um, tumbling class or they have a high school level trampoline competitive team. And those can be super fun and a great way to get back into it. You know, artistic gymnastics isn't the only thing out there. You can do acro, you can do tumbling, um, you can even do rhythmic. There's tons of really fun stuff to do and some specific programs for teenagers. Did I do good with that one? Yes. Thanks. Thanks. What's the next letter? Okay. So, dramatic reading. Dear Gymcastic Crew, from a former figure skater, I just wanted to say thank you for always your always real interpretations of the Olympics. I am always disappointed with NBC Olympic figure skating coverage. Thank God they finally got rid of Dick button a few years ago, and I was shocked to see it carry over to gymnastics, basically the figure skating of the Summer Olympic Games and vice versa, too. Although I should probably shouldn't be shocked at the propaganda, but it did seem much worse this year. Haley, what are your thoughts, Spencer? Was the propaganda worse this year? Uh, I feel like it was on par, but in general, Haley, welcome, welcome to the club. You share our feelings. We're here for you. Uncle Tim, propaganda worse this year or the normal amount, considering the 40-minute documentary on the Carolis, complete with <laughs> snow, uh, horse-drawn carriage in the snow? <laughs> um, so during the actual broadcast, I mean, we don't necessarily have those fluff pieces during primetime anymore, and then like... I'm trying to remember what the song that Kim Zemeskel had at the 92 Olympics. It was either like Wonderful Tonight or something like that. Um, I, I think the melodrama in that regard with all the music, et cetera, has been disappeared a little bit. Um, there's still plenty of drama f coming from the announcers. Um, but I'm trying to think. From what I recall, I don't know that it was propaganda hit its high point this year unlike the crystals on leotards jessica what did you think as you watched the broadcast you know i intentionally did not watch any of the evening broadcast because it literally makes my blood pressure go up and i don't have blood pressure problems um so i don't know about the nbc broadcast 
Um, I will say that with NBC doing the ranch documentary and doing the Caroli documentary, I think it was epic proportions of getting on the Caroli caboose train. <laughs> the caboose. <laughs> it was the caboose because they're out of here. Um, so yeah, the, I, but and I guess I would say the, the propaganda is still strong. It's very strong. Um, and I can't wait till Tokyo when it'll basically be like they'll ignore all of the sex abuse scandals and they'll just talk about Caroli being gone and can they still win? Um, but it'll be interesting if USA Gymnastics is even around then. Um, yeah, so we'll have to measure it by next Olympics and how all of this is handled. Um, but my, I also want to say that my favorite thing about answering all these questions so far is how Uncle Tim <laughs> responds each time with, uh, I wasn't here for that. <laughs> when you guys were saying those ridiculous things, I wasn't here for that. How could you drag me into this nonsense? <laughs> I skipped that day for a reason. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite thing. Okay, let's end. Yes, I intentionally skip those days for a reason. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You can anticipate everything we could possibly say. And you're like, <coughs> can't make it. Um, <laughs> have to go wedding ring shopping. <coughs> okay, so um, we're going to end this on a high note. So this is from uh, Callie. We have a lot of like Haley's and Kaylee's and Katie's. Um, so Callie wrote in to us and she said... Oh my gosh, you guys. Do you remember this when at Pac-12s in 2015, Tori Wilson, Utah gymnast, went for a double layout? Um, it was right before like Sam Peshek and Elisa Shino, I think, were still competing. And they were the next ones up. And they had both torn Not their Elisa Achilles. Shino. Not Elisa Shino. That was like <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had both torn their Achilles. And so she takes off her like last pass or maybe it was first pass. I don't remember. Does a double layout. Tears her Achilles on her takeoff. And then breaks her foot on the other leg on the landing. Trying to not to die when she was landing. That was so horrific. Like, all the gymnasts from the other teams watching were crying and, like, pumping up the next person up because it was, like, someone who had torn their Achilles. It was, like, it was, like, world peace through a major tragedy, basically, is what we were seeing in a microcosm. So, she was in a wheelchair for months and months. Uh, took her about a year to really recover from that. She walked at her graduation in a wheelchair um, she was doing PT for months after that. And then just uh, last weekend, she ran a half marathon and it marked her comeback since her gymnastics injury. Um, and so it was like a, a big, you know, a big accomplishment that she went from being a wheelchair at graduation to actually running a half marathon and finishing it. So a beautiful recovery story shows you the perseverance that gymnastics teaches you. So congratulations to Tori Wilson. And we're glad that you finally have a happy ending from that injury. And thanks for that update, Kelly. Okay, this weekend is the Pan Am Championships. And if we find a link to how to watch it, we will tweet it to you. But that is going on. Uh, the U.S. men will be there. U.S. women don't think they're going. Um, yeah. And if there's some way to watch that Russian extravaganza, someone has a link, let us know. Because we're super excited about that. I don't know if I mentioned that there's going to be 
fire and people in wedding dresses on trampoline, which looked like Zamalachikova and Horkina in a skin tight blue suit and that the looked like there were magic carpets all over the place. It was very exciting. And of course, rhythmic, the rhythmic people. And you know how they are with the rhythmic. And then sexy Alexi. I don't know if I mentioned him too. So um, if you want to find out more about the army of volunteers who make this show possible every week, go to the about page at com. which, you know, if you scroll all the way down to our homepage, there's a little black section at the very bottom, and that is where our about page is. You can find us there and a, a link to all of our press and some other things. Um, so, what else? If you'd like to support us, Club Gym Nerd is a great way to do that. And uh, we're working on our commission podcast episodes for the fall. We have about four or five of these coming up to do. So the fall is going to be full of commissions. It's very exciting. And um, as they say at the ranch, until next time, thank you, thank you gymnasts, gymnasts, listeners, and fantastic staff. Goodbye. Goodbye. You guys are so slow. Oh. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Thank you, gymnasts, thank listeners, thank and fantastic staff. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week.